Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. Listen on. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Aaron Durando. Aaron is the head of sales at Follow Up Boss. Follow Up Boss is the follow-up system that turns every agent into a top performer. It makes real estate lead conversion and sales follow-up more efficient and automated, resulting in their clients making more sales and having the capacity to grow their business in a calm and organized way. Follow-up Boss enables agents to deliver an incredible customer experience at the speed and volume that today's real estate businesses require. Aaron, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Doing well, Morgan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Can you kind of walk us through your background and how it's led to what you're doing now over at Follow-Up Boss? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess uh, I'll start out at the beginning. Um, my first foray into sales, like most people, uh, was through retail. I worked at a ski shop, so it was... Uh, a lesson in learning the add-on. Uh, our whole commission structure was built around, you could sell somebody a jacket and pants for $700, but if you didn't add on a third item, you didn't get any commission off that sell. So you know you mm. were really pushing hats or gloves or, or something small. Um, same thing with skis, you could sell $1,300 skis, but if you didn't add on the poles or the boots, you didn't get the, the commission. So uh, that was my first taste of it. and. Um, I, it wasn't something I had thought I was going to pursue. It wasn't something I was really going after. But from there, I ended up selling um, newspaper advertising for a bit uh, while I was still in school and um, really found that. And, and I don't know that I knew this at the time, but I, I really gravitated towards the small businesses. I and mean, that's what I was doing. I was selling the advertising into small businesses, building those relationships, meeting these people that have been you know, running family businesses for years or were trying to get their startup off the ground. So uh, that was really a great experience as well. From there, I, I landed. Fortunately, I, I was able to get into Google. So not a bad place to start your overall professional career. Got to learn from some really amazing people, both from a strategy side, from a sales you know, tactic side. And really, if, uh, if I was going to take one thing away from Google that benefited me the most, it was the folks I worked with, I took so much out of that experience. And I was there for about four and a half years as a, a sales rep in the, at the time it was called the Google Apps for Business team. Uh, I didn't even have an organization around it. Uh, it evolved over time to become G Suite and then uh, ultimately got rolled into their cloud offering. So um, got to spend 
time there developing a lot of relationships, developing a lot of skills, learning how to approach customers from the entire life cycle. We had an SDR team that I worked closely with. So I got to understand the process on the, the very front end of uh, the sales cycle all the way through uh, spending a short stint helping build out um, the account management function on how we would ramp up our small to medium-sized businesses on the platform. From there, I took a jump and, and went to uh, a startup based in San Francisco that um, was an opportunity to work with a, a mobile-first social media advertising startup. Uh, they had a, a platform for buying and placing ads. Um, it was an exciting company, and, and I came in and quickly things changed as they are known to do within this space. So uh, within five months, they had changed directions entirely. We're moving towards a, a different end goal for that business. And so the team that I came to join ended up being shuttered with uh, most of the sales organization. So at that point, I sort of stepped back and reevaluated where I was in my career, what I wanted, what was important. Uh, I think I took a lot away from that experience, which led me down the path to knowing what questions to ask on the way in to better understand what I valued, what I was looking for, and what I was hoping to get out of any kind of uh, position I was going to take. And that, that sort of put me into my first foray into sales management, um, really getting to help along with uh, my um, sales director at Duda start to build out a sales team from essentially the ground up. They'd always had a business development side, building those big partnerships, but there was never never a strong focus, again, on that smaller business side. Um, and so really got to sink my teeth into that, um, work on building out skilled operations, trying to sell to the long tail, the small, the solo people, all the way through some larger companies. So that was really a, an exciting time. Learned how to hire, learned how to manage, learned the ins and outs of, of managing while doing, uh, which is not the optimal way to do it. But you know, with, with startups and how things are structured, it's often how you end up finding your way into management. So that was really a, a, a great experience, which ultimately led me to follow up boss where you know, I had the opportunity. They've been around for about eight years now. So uh, we are still young, but not brand new. We're pretty established within our space. So that's an exciting proposition. And, uh, you know, I've been working to build out the team, hiring reps, building process, learning the space was, I think, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing I needed to do coming in. As you said, we are laser focused on the, the real estate space. And it it's a beast of its own. It doesn't operate like all other small businesses. Um, and I think the most exciting part of it is you're, you're selling to salespeople. So they're, they're speaking your language um, and they understand whenever you're trying to map value or create value for them with the product, they don't push back on that. They don't think that this is some kind of tactic. They really see that value. And it's almost as if you're partnering during the sell to really figure out, hey, is this something that is going to ultimately drive that ROI? Because with uh, the way the industry works, um, it really comes down to they're spending a lot of money driving leads and, and creating business. And if they're not able to track where that money's going, how those leads are being worked, and ultimately what the outcomes are, you're sort of throwing your money into a black hole. And, and that's where we come in to help you manage that. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you had a, a lot of diverse experience in sales and, and I've been taking notes and writing things down. So I have some questions based on kind of the information mm -hmm. you gave. What is it about small businesses that you liked working with? 
Yeah. You know, I think this is something it, it took a while to really put my finger on it, but I, I have had experience working with some larger companies. So at my time with uh, Ampush after I left Google, my client book was Uber, Zynga, University of Phoenix. You know, I was working with these giant companies with giant budgets. So we were managing tens of millions of dollars annually in ad spend. It was eye-opening. You know, it, it, in, this in no way is a, an indictment of any of these companies or anything. I just realized that within that structure, you know, if I were to nail it, you know, if I were to do the absolute best job for them, I would be impacting a small piece of a team within a giant company, which really wasn't moving the needle all that much. And ultimately, that's, that's how those companies work. Every team is running in stride. You know, Uber's not winning because they have one small team within the organization that carries the load. They're winning because they've got talent across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you think of small businesses, if I come in and you're a real estate agent, you know, you started out as a solo agent and you got really successful built relationships, you know, one, you're investing in your community. You have helped people build lives. You're an integral part of your community and that's your brand. And so you grow that, you bring on team members and they start, you know, having a uh, magnifying impact on how you're impacting your community. And so if we can come in and talk to these folks and help them move the needle, that impact is instant and it's massive. You can really feel that in, in the relationship. It's a soft, um, you know, it's a soft thing. It's not a hard stat. Relationship feels more meaningful. It's It's something that you know, outside of looking, you know, when I was doing direct sales as an individual contributor, it was in addition to my commissions check, I was leaving the office feeling good about what I was doing. I was, I was Mm. helping real people with problems, grow their business and ultimately impacting that community. And, you know, that's something at follow-up boss. I think we all really value. And that's another part of the, the company culture, which is you know, a beautiful thing within Follow Boss is ultimately we want to help build these small businesses and help them pay their employees, help them find homes for the people in their community. So it really is something that it's deeper than, you know, being on the top of the leaderboard or, you know, seeing your, your bank account go up. Uh, it's a type of currency, but it's, it's one that, you know, ultimately feeds the soul rather than the wallet. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can definitely see that. Really having that impact here. And it's like a cycle too, right? You are, you feel better because you're really providing impact and helping people. They're the beneficiaries of that. Their business is improving. They're feeling better about what they're doing. And I'm sure, you know, you're turning them into fans of your company and they're telling people possibly, you know, and kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, our, Traditionally, our business has been built on word of mouth. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's something that it, it's semi-unique to the the industry we're in. You know, the real estate community is one that thrives off of relationships. You know, even though you're yep. working in competition with the other agents, there's a ton of knowledge share. There's all kinds of groups. People, people really. And the other thing, of course, you know, homes aren't something that moves. So if you're working in a market, working with somebody in a different market has absolutely zero cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that word of mouth does travel quickly. It's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. You get to see people, you know, people get really excited and motivated in a way that you, you don't necessarily see whenever you're, you're influencing just a piece of the pie. Um, 
the other side of it is, you know, you just you learn so much. Any kind of big business lesson you want to learn, you can find a book. There's there's hundreds of books written by, you know, the smartest people. I'm, you know, I'm reading Behind the Cloud, uh, the Mark Benioff's book right now. And it's great. It's amazing. I'm learning a lot. But that that resource is there. What you're not learning is what is the day like for somebody who is at the five employee level? How are they thinking about how they do P&L? And so you can really learn and, you know, you obviously in sales, and, and this is, you know, my opinion, and I don't think it would be controversial, but discovery is the key. If you, if you don't know your customer, you can't sell Absolutely. Them. And in that, in that process, you know, I feel like I've learned so much about how, how, you know, to run a business, how to structure it, how to think about going from yourself and an assistant to adding for the first employee, which is a huge decision to make. It's a, a 33% or 50% growth, depending on how you look at it. That's pretty crazy. And, and being, being around for those and, and understanding what goes into that decision, it's a learning experience. And ultimately, I, I've been asked in interviews, what's the one thing that sets you apart? You know, how would you categorize yourself as, as different from most people? I always come back to the, the idea that I feel like I just have an insatiable curiosity. I, I love to learn. Yeah. I want to know how things work. Um, you know, knowing the answer usually isn't enough for me. I don't want to know the, the end, just the end result. I want to know all the inputs as well. And with small businesses, it's, it's infinite. There's always something new to be learned from these people. Awesome. I love it. And, and curious, your time at Google, what was that mm-hmm. like? What are some things you learned? How do they do things differently? Right. Yeah. It, uh, it's funny. I, you know, by the end of my time at Google, I was, I was really looking to get out. And obviously it was my first you know, major career, you know, job after college. So it was something that you, you don't know what you have while you have it. Um, obviously it's a great company. The culture is, is everything that you read about it. It's, it's incredible. Um, and the biggest part of that is, like I said, the people, you know, I worked with, with some of the smartest people I've ever met, all the way from people who were my peers up through um, some of the people that were making the top line decisions. And so that experience was really great. It, uh, it was a little bit of the Wild West. So it's not that long ago, but if you think back to 2011, we were selling cloud computing into you know the, the, the medium-sized business space. So companies with 250 to 500 employees. So sizable companies um, that needed to know that they have reliable communications. And whenever you were saying, hey, take that uh, exchange server out of the closet and put everything in the cloud, it was a tough proposition. Um, you know, Obviously calling and saying, hi, I'm Aaron from Google. People usually don't hang up. That was the, the big benefit is yeah. you did get to have the conversation. Which then really put it, you know, it put it on you. The the biggest I think challenge for the the sales cycle getting to somebody you can actually influence uh, yeah. was a little bit easier having that brand cachet. But yeah, it was really you know it was super early. It wasn't something that Google I think even knew was going to be as big as it is today. You know, something they wanted to to explore and go into. But you know, the entire org was something like 50 people. We didn't have any developers. We just piggybacked off of uh, Gmail. So there were times that consumers were getting features, you know, six to eight months ahead of business customers because 
you know, Gmail was precedent. And so it was, it was just a really interesting, fun time. You know, the way they approach sales was interesting. So when I came in, there wasn't really any formal training. There was the standard Google training, um, very involved in terms of, you know, the culture, how do things work, making you feel like part of the team. And so that part was great. And I think, you know, again, that's something I learned, I thought was inherent in companies, you know, having that be my first big experience, I thought all companies were this focused on culture, treated their people this well. And this was something that came just with the territory. And so that, that I didn't learn to value that as much until I didn't have it. From a, a sales perspective, you know, I got assigned a, a buddy on the team, a gentleman named Paul Asoyan, who he may still be at Google, but he had been in, with Google for a bit. He had been in tech sales for a long time. And, you know, I came in, met him. He was going to be my buddy. And I started on a Monday. He went on vacation that Wednesday and was gone for two weeks. And his advice to me was when I come back, I want you to know the product in and out. He's like, don't worry about selling it. Don't worry about the value props. He's like, uh, we'll work on that. He's like, when I come back, I want you to be able to answer every question I have about the product. Because if you don't know the product, you can't sell it. And that actually is one of the biggest lessons I think I learned, you know, uh, and that's a big part of how I structure my onboarding for reps. You know, if, if you don't have that baseline confidence to feel that you can answer, and again, we're not, we're not sales engineers, we're not the mm -hmm. people, there's going to be stumpers. And that's where the sales skill comes in is being able to, to appropriately say, Hey, no, I'm not sure on that, but I took down a note and I'm going to get back to you this afternoon with the answer. Um, whenever they ask about something you know, very unique about the API that's only applicable in one case so that it's not something we would know, but being able to speak the language um, and build that trust that you know what you're talking about, one, empowers you to say, I don't know when you don't. Uh, and two, it, it makes it feel like less of a sales call. You're not, you're not selling vapor. You're not creating, creating this story that has no backbone. You know, if you can tie everything back to reality, then whenever you do tell the lofty story about the big thing that can happen if you purchase my product, and then you tie it right back into, oh, well, the reason I'm being so bullish on this is because X, Y, and Z, and I, I know my stuff. You, you get to a point where the selling sort of happens on its own. Uh, yeah. It becomes the relationship piece. You know, you're no longer reliant on the tactical, you know, sales tricks, you know, having these things in your back pocket that every salesperson learns about, you know, tries. And um, if you think about it, it's like uh, the, the Zen masters um, or the, you know, people that become great in any always talk about the art of unlearning. You know, once mm. you, once you master something, you actually no longer consciously employ it. Um, yeah. In an earlier phase of my life, I was doing kickboxing and I actually had a couple of like MMA fights and stuff. And for me, I read a lot at that time about it. And it really was something that, that I've carried through and, and embodying that where if you know what you need to do, you should be able to enter that flow state and then it'll happen as it's supposed to. Um, if you're trying to harken back to, oh, how exactly should I phrase this? You're never going to phrase it correctly. It should be something that you've, you've done, you've repeated, you've, you've hit so many times that it comes out slightly different every time, but the message is still the same. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so tying this back to where we were, you know, I spent two weeks learning the product. Everyone else was shadowing calls. You know, that was the, the main activity they were doing with their, their sales buddies when we started Google, which is super important and I value heavily, but I didn't have anyone to shadow. So I spent my time reading the documentation. Um, you know, I probably went a little too far. I read through our terms of service um, yeah. <laughs> entirely and then and, and just really wanted to know if there was information out there, how could I, you know, hoover it up and, and try and retain it. Um, and then when he came back, we spent a week talking through how to employ that knowledge, how to figure out what it is that we need to know in order to be able to take what we know about our product and make it valuable for our customer. Um, and that led to me skyrocketing up the, the leaderboards in terms of the new hires. I got hired as a, a group of sales reps. I think there were six of us, you know, and it, it, in my first quarter, uh, I finished at the top, you know, I started slow, but I finished at the top because I had that, that foundational, um, knowledge. So that was, that was something that, uh, I learned and, and valued a lot, you know, in my time there, they also brought in a few coaches with systems, um, in terms of sales. And it's the same thing with when I read a sales text or listen to you know a podcast or a blog or anything. I think at the beginning of your career it can be really helpful to take a system and employ it and take it, you know, and, and try to do it verbatim. But as you evolve, what you need to learn is who you are. You know, you're, you're ultimately you're selling you're selling a bit of yourself, right? You know, people are buying your product, but it's because it's, you know. Um, follow up boss by Aaron is a way to think of it. You know, if, if it's, if it were just the product, maybe they'd buy, but if it's the product plus a bad experience with a person, they almost never buy. If it's the product plus a good experience with a sales rep, you take that likelihood to close way up. Um, and so, you know, be voracious when you're reading, take in as much information as you can listen to everyone, but filter it out figure out, hey, this is something that will work with my personality type. This is something that I can apply authentically because if if you're not being authentic when you're implying the tools in your tool belt, it's instantaneous that people know. You know, mm -hmm. everyone can can smell the the BS when it when it comes off of you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to spend some time talking about follow-up boss. I mm -hmm. I think you, the company is very interesting for several reasons. A couple of those being, you know, you're managing a remote sales force, right? The company's remote and you are also occupying, you know, a defined niche and, a, you know, a defined target audience, which a lot of different software companies or just companies in general, you know, they, they try to do everything for everybody. And, um, I'm curious to see how that's going. So, um, Let's first talk about the challenges of managing a remote team and kind of how you mm -hmm. how you do that. Yeah, um, so I had a I got to take a, a little foray into it with my last role before Follow Up Boss. Um, my wife and I had lived in the Bay Area. We relocated to Colorado. It was with the the idea that um, you know due to my previous company was going to be opening a satellite office in Colorado. So uh, I spent about six months remote while the the folks I was managing were still in. Um, Palo Alto. So I, I had a little bit of experience there. It, it was a little rougher, I think, because they, we weren't fully remote. The company itself wasn't remote. And there's a lot more challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same challenge of being in a satellite office. Uh, 
whenever you do have sort of that core hub of people that are in the same space, see each other every day, um, you, you sort of have to be twice as loud to be heard. Um, yeah. And it's not a failure of Judah. It's not a failure of anything. It's just a, a, the nature of the beast. Whenever you're not in front of people, they don't think about you. So that learning experience helped me coming into Follow Up Boss, which has always been a uh, fully remote company that uh, works on sort of a, an asynchronous structure, uh, meaning the idea is no, nobody is expected to instantaneously be active, uh, available. Um, you know, we, we try to structure the company so that if anyone is away, it's not going to you know, destroy productivity. We can continue to function Important. without that instantaneous need to reach. So a big part of that, of course, is information being structured and accessible. Uh, we, we use Basecamp, um, which is another great example of a, a fully remote company and, and, and structure. And I think that's a, they're, they're a good inspiration for, for us. But when I drill into it from a, a perspective of managing a sales team, um, ultimately it comes down to hiring. Really, it's more than anything, getting the, the right people. Um, you know, I do think we're going to see if we look at the trends and, you know, look at it from a macro level, we look at uh, environmental trends, um, things are getting more expensive. So the top talent isn't necessarily all gravitating towards where the companies are because Silicon Valley is really expensive and it's hard to start out there if you're new coming into business or you're trying to say build a family and you want to buy a home and establish yourself. We're seeing that the talent is looking for the opportunity to work remote. And so I think we're going to see more companies employing this structure, whether it's for certain organizations within a bigger company or you know, going fully remote. Uh, so I think it's, it's fun to be part of the, the bleeding edge of that trend. But we, we really focus on bringing in the right people. So we still have a strong culture. That's really important to the company as a whole, getting the right people in and across the board, whether it's our, our technical team or you know, on the sales side, what we're thinking about when we bring people in is we can train people to have better skills. We can take people and you know up level their knowledge to be able to do the role. You know, having experience is is important. Having somebody that isn't going to take nine months to on onboard, you know, somebody that you can get going faster is is important. There's some baseline there, but really, what we want is people that are eager to learn. People that are able to show that their willingness to you know be go-getters have that ambition um really translates to success remotely because you're right i can't be there you know i'm not on the sales floor monitoring who's doing what and i, I don't want to be you know i i really uh struggle in an environment where i micromanaged and so i i then struggle to um, impart that upon my employees so i'm finding people that have demonstrated accountability and i'm finding people that have something that shows me they are invested in growing it and being better and so that if i can check those two boxes off then managing becomes a lot easier because now i can be the shepherd guiding them rather than you know the guy behind him with the cattle prod you know getting them to move right. uh, it, it definitely is something where if you're i think if you're trying to in any sales environment, but especially in a remote one, 
if you don't have folks that are going to have accountability and have the motivation within themselves to be successful, you're going to really struggle to get good productivity out of them. So that's like step one. Step two is once once they're in the door, getting them onboarded quickly, you know, getting them involved and, and ready to go. I like to get people on the phone at the very latest by the end of their second week. But you know, I'll often throw people on the phone just to get them comfortable talking to people. Uh, right. You know, I come on, I come with them on these calls. So whenever there's a stumbling point or something like that, it, it's not a big deal. People are extremely forgiving. Um, that's the other thing you learn is, you know, you, you really have to botch a lot to turn a customer off through sales. And I think you'd mostly do it by kind of being too good, you know, being too brash, too confident is, is really where you turn people off, where if you're less confident, a little more timid, or if you stumble, there's a, there's a, a human aspect to that, that really most people aren't going to say, well, I would never trust this company because the sales guy who's been here a week couldn't answer my question instantly. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, getting involved there. And then the last piece of it is, of course, you want people who are going to hold themselves accountable, but having a system of accountability. So process is everything. Build that sales process, make sure that you train on the sales process and that everybody executes on it. Because once you have your team executing the sales process, you're going to learn what does and doesn't work. You're also going to see who is and who isn't executing. And when you're not there again in on that day-to-day to sort of be around that, you're not going to by osmosis pull in like, oh, hey, here's what Sally could use some help with, or here's where Bill's stumbling. You really need to see, okay, Sally is executing every single step of the sales process and is missing goals. Great, let's go shadow some calls or listen to some recorded calls. How can we you know, help her write better emails to engage? There's actionable things to do off of that. Whereas you know, you go to Bill and say, Bill, you're, you're not executing the sales test and you're missing your goals. You know, this, what's going on here? I don't, I don't even know where to begin helping you because you're not, you're not playing by the rules. Um, and so when it comes down to it, you know, having, Hiring the right people is always the most important thing you can do in any you know managerial role. Um, second is the you know the training piece. Uh, if you don't have a good training program, you don't build that solid foundation. It's really hard to build a, a solid sales rep because they'll form habits, and you want those habits to be informed by the right things. Um, and third is. You know, and probably the most important is the process, you know, having that sales process dialed in, have it be replicable. You know, it's important for any sales team to be able to understand why they're being successful or not. But it's also important uh, specifically in the remote context to be able to have an enforcement mechanism that isn't checking in every three say, did you make calls? Did you make calls? You know, having yeah. If, if it's expected that you're you know, documenting all calls, you're using a certain note structure, you're following a certain structure through a sales process, you can see all that. And then, of course, the benefits that every company has. You have predictable sales revenue. You can see a pipeline. You can hopefully predict and preempt any kind of downswings or capitalize on any sort of you know, windfall that's coming your way. Yeah, great sales managers work for their reps, you know, not the other way around. Um, that is 
not a truer statement has been said. I can't agree with that more. You know, my, I look at it when I'm thinking about managing my reps and the question I always ask is what can I do for you? Um, you know, my job mm -hmm. is to remove barriers. Um, I, I try to hire, you know, I only want to hire all-stars and all-stars want to produce. And right. when you start to see your all-stars slipping, that's a failure of management, not the, the reps. Absolutely. I want to touch on the the niche that Follow Up Boss mm -hmm. occupies, the positioning in the marketplace. What are some, I guess, things that you've noticed from customers or when you kind of compare it against your previous sales roles? Is, is there anything you notice being that the company is very well positioned for a specific target market? Mm -hmm. It's certainly different. You know, I've worked generally across multiple verticals or, or different things. Even at my last company, we it was Duda. We built a a web design platform uh, that could be, you know, white labeled for agencies and, and folks that were building high volume websites. Um, and so you were working with a mostly with agencies and stuff. So you did sort of have a specific uh, niche, but it wasn't quite as drilled in um, and clear. There's obvious benefits for it, right? You know, when you think of it from a, a sales and marketing perspective, you can be hyper specific and yeah. you can be, you know, hyper specialized in that knowledge. So we can really craft that, that picture of what a successful customer could be or what a successful customer is, and we can help guide the market that way. So it's, it's something uh, that has a lot of advantages. Um, you know, the, uh, the other side of that coin is we're, we're not the only player in the space. So we are continually, you know, needing to stay ahead of that game. Um, and you, you had mentioned earlier in the conversation I, that, uh, you know, some folks sort of take a more approach, a, a widespread sort of be, be something for everyone. And, you know, even within the real estate vertical, we're diversified in that when you think of technology in the space, there's sort of two, two different tracks folks uh, develop down. And, and one is the, the track that we're on where you, you take a, a specific function and you become the best. And so, you know, we, at a, I guess, categorical level, are a CRM, but that's not what we want our strength to be. You know, we are, we're focused on that sales piece. We're trying to see, you know, in the real estate industry, what drives business. Ultimately, it is closing on homes, whether it's from the seller side or the buyer side. And where do we have the biggest impact there? Taking leads through the cycle to becoming home buyers or home sellers. And so that's the, to us, the most important thing we can do to impact businesses. So that's where we focus. Um, and there's a few other players that are, are focused um, directly in the same space as us. And then you look at the rest of that journey, whether it's from the lead generation piece, there's a, a thousand lead generation uh, services out there yeah. um, in the real estate space. You know, Some of them great, some of them not. And then you look at the the later part of the cycle, the deal management, transaction management stuff. Um, you know, working through that. Those are great pieces. We don't go there because, in our mind, if we pull our focus off of that guiding star, which is to help our customers grow their business, um, we think we're going to be doing them a disservice, and we're not going to be as focused and deliver as good of a experience. And so the, the flip side of that is the other path that you see technology taking in the real estate space is the, the all-in-one approach. So you'll, you'll go to someone and they'll build your website. They'll have your IDX search so that you know, 
buyers can come to your website and find and look at homes and then that's stored on their profile. Um, they'll uh, market your leads, whether that's through Facebook or other things. And so they're, they're saying, look, we'll be your full funnel. Um, the benefit there is, of course, you have one technology system you're managing. You don't need to have different systems that tie together and require different thought processes. You sign up for one thing and then you go. The downside is, you know, the jack of all trades, ace of none. You're, you're sort of signing up for it. And ultimately, these companies do do one thing really well. It's the rest of the things they don't do well. So and in almost every instance, the CRM is the lowest on that list because what it is is, you know, CRMs, they're sticky. You get someone's data and the thought of changing that or, you know, really what makes it sticky, if you actually get the agents to use the product, yeah. it's super sticky because we've mm -hmm. had customers leave us that come back a month later because there's been a mutiny because their agents are like, <laughs> what have you done? Like, I can't yeah. get my job done. You took away the thing that drives my daily business. And so they try to tack on that CRM piece uh, to retain business and it doesn't make them money. It's not about, you know, being the best in the space. It's about trying to protect what is almost always the, the lead generation piece, because that's the highest price tag item. That's where you can have the biggest scale and they can turn that around. So it's been fun to learn this space, understand where we we fit, where we stacked up. And at the end of the day, you know, I think our focus is on relationships. And so that's our relationships with our customers, but also helping our customers build relationships. The market is either people making the largest sell of their life or the largest purchase of their life, spending hundreds of thousands, in some markets, millions of dollars. And you're you're not doing that with just anyone. You you need right. someone you trust. You need to believe that who you're working with has a vested interest in not just getting your commission check, but in getting you to your home, to building that, you know, that dream, giving you the opportunity to put your roots down and start your family. So we take a slightly different tact. You know, we we know that. The business metrics are important. All of this is important. Being able to build that sustainable business is important. The underlying crux of all of it is having that relationship. And so we try to focus on how do we build relationships? How do we turn leads to relationships? How do we turn past clients? How do we maintain that relationship so that someone who bought their starter home from you and is on the market to sell and buy five years later, all of a sudden they're not thinking, well, I better go into the market and find a seller's agent. They're thinking, well, I worked with Morgan and he was amazing. I want to go back. I, you know, he's, he's stayed up. He's done. Um, he's, he's every year he sent me market comps. Like I understand the value of my home today because over the last five years, you know, it's a really fun and unique group of people. They're also super engaging. They're very straightforward. You don't have to pry as much. So you do your discovery, but you're doing it with, with people that want to grow that business and they're invested. And so um, you know, we think of ourselves as, as much as salespeople, but you know, we want to be the trusted advisor. So, you know, I, I make sure we we're, we're reading everything we can about trends in the real estate, you know, the, the whole team, uh, we're part of the, the agents, Facebook groups. You know, we want to understand what they're talking about because we want to be able to guide them and, and be, be something more than just a, a place to, you know, a Rolodex, um, which, 
if you look at CRMs in our space, a lot of times that's how agents look at them. So um, there is an education piece, but I think we have a, a unique proposition and ultimately to get to fill some some really big uh, lofty aspirations. Um, in terms of the business side of it and, and thinking about just going after a, a specific niche, the good thing is like we have a, a segment within it, which is you can think of as our, our core customer in that they're the folks that are the perfect fit for the product. You know, if you look at it in terms of the makeup of that company, the profitability is the strongest. So we do have that that group of core customers who is our, our primary focus. But outside of that, I think NAR, the National Association of Realtors, has 1.4 million members. Um, last year, their survey found there are about 500,000 active members. Um, so it, it's a big pool. You know, we're focused in one one specific space, but ultimately there's there's quite a big pool of, of businesses out there that we can go and, and help. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Aaron, it's been so great um, getting to hear about your diverse sales experience and, and kind of what you learned along the way and interesting things you're doing over at Follow Up Boss. Uh, if someone's interested just in Follow Up Boss or, or has a question about anything you've mentioned on the uh, show today, what's the best way that people can get in touch with you? Yeah. So if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm available a lot of places. Uh, if you, you know, uh, LinkedIn is a great place to reach out. If you have questions about the company, me, anything like that, if you're uh, in the real estate business and looking to, you know, hyperdrive your sales efforts, um, followupboss.com is the place to go. You'll, you'll be able to get a ton of information there as well as, you know, top and center on our website, you'll find the number to give our team a call. You can reach me directly at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at followupboss.com. Um, you know, happy to discuss anything with uh, anyone. I try to be as available as possible. And yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate the time, Morgan. This has been a, a fun conversation and uh, I'm glad we got the chance to connect. Awesome. Same here. Well, you have a great rest of your day, Aaron. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Morgan. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.